are the franchisees actually doing that? Is that something that you're able to track? And then what are they doing with that with that local spend? What's what's working for them? They are doing it, but their spends, their media plans run through my team as well. So we have a local team that sits down with the franchisees or sits down with the co-ops if they're, if they're big enough and organized enough and develops a media plan for them at the local level. I think it's an opportunity for us to do a little bit better in that area. Welcome to episode 71 of Clicks to Bricks, the podcast about multi-location marketing. I'm your host, Rob Reed. Today, we welcome Derek Dettenberg to the show. He is currently the Chief Marketing Officer for Batteries Plus. He's also held leadership positions with both Wendy's and Massage Envy. So we talk about the similarities and differences of multi-location marketing in the diverse categories of retail, QSR, and services. We also learn about what the current AI conversation sounds like internally at Batteries Plus and how Derek sees this wave of innovation impacting brick and mortar marketing in the future. Spoiler, it's all about the data. Derek Dettenberg, welcome to Clicks to Bricks. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to a good conversation. Yeah, likewise. First of all, where are you calling in from? Charlotte, North Carolina today. Ah, nice. And that's Batteries Plus HQ or are you remote? I am remote. So this is HQ South, I guess. Batteries Plus is out of Heartland, Wisconsin, just outside of Milwaukee. Do you frequent Wisconsin since the new role? Absolutely. I, a lot of my team is up there. We're a little bit of a hybrid culture. So I'm up there probably two times a month, sometimes three. Oh, wow. Racking up the miles, huh? I've got executive platinum like written all over me, so it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got my diamond on Delta, so we're, we're in the same, same club there pretty much. As we usually do, let's start out with a fun fact about Derek Dettenberg that most might not know. I was thinking about how to answer this and try to make it funny like I was a scratch golfer or a master pianist or something like that, but I guess I brought it back to something more marketing-related. This occupation lets you travel quite a bit, and I was counting up the countries the other night, and I've been to 27 countries, and I've lived in eight houses in my 20-year career. So, you know, to be, to be in marketing, you got to be a little bit flexible, I guess. Wow. That's, yeah, that's a lot of moving companies to, to have to hire, huh? You've probably gotten really, really good at that, though. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you have some good tips. You could probably, you could probably write a, a white paper on, on moving then, huh? That's right. That's right. Moving is the worst. I don't recommend it. <laughs> it is the worst, but if you don't know how to do it, it's even worse than even worse than that. I mean, it's, it's a good, good thing to be good at if you have to do it a lot, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, let's jump into the marketing conversation here. So let's start pretty kind of high level. So how would you summarize the state of marketing today from where you sit and like kind of in the spirit of that, like, what are things that are keeping CMOs up at night in this particular moment? Yeah, I think it was already trending this way just due to technology and everything else that goes along with it. But during the pandemic and kind of the impact of the pandemic, it's never been more clear or more prevalent that the consumer is definitely in charge. And if you think about everything during the pandemic, it was at their fingertips. Like, I want this and I want it now and I want it at my doorstep, whether that was food or beverages or products from Amazon. And it just has accelerated and technology is still the catalyst for it. So I think as a marketer, you know, your your goal is and your role in the organization is to be the champion of the customer or the consumer, however you look at it. And so 
with all of that change impacted through technology, we've just got to stay ahead of it. And it takes a great team and it takes a lot of dedication to learning and trying things. And, you know, I think that's what keeps me awake is just that we stay ahead of the curve. You know, we build the right team and, and try to implement great projects for the, for the consumer. Does that really kind of boil down to kind of the mastery of omnichannel? Is that really what you're talking about? Yeah, at Batteries Plus in particular, I mean, we truly try to fashion ourselves as an omnichannel business. You know, whether our customers are researching us online and, and then coming to, to buy in the store, it's definitely something you have to keep in mind. And if you don't think that way and the consumer is thinking that way, there's a huge disconnect and in, in something that's going to be wrong in the customer journey or customer experience. And, you know, with the way that the customer is in charge, as I mentioned, if something's wrong in the journey, they're out and you've lost them. Have there been any channels that you've had to adopt recently that that weren't part of the omnichannel equation that you had to kind of respond to where where you thought, oh, there's consumers on this channel, we better actually be there in the last year or since the pandemic? Yeah, I mean, this will be a little bit cliche, but I think it's something that a lot of marketers are, are battling with is what's the role of TikTok in your in your mix? When it came about, it it certainly didn't feel like a business platform or an advertising platform, at least for most concepts or most businesses. But now it's something that you've got to play in and you've got to play in it with the right tone, with the right type of creative product and the right message. So even for a, a retailer that's become, I mean, a retailer like Batteries Plus, which is very specific product, you still felt like TikTok you needed to have a presence on. Yeah. And, and we do it in a, in a particular way. So if you look at our business, we have a lot of different channels from auto batteries to device repair to good old everyday alkaline batteries. And not all of those journeys are created equal. Not all of those customers are created equal. And so we use TikTok selectively. We use it for one of our marine battery brands called X2 Power. And it's a very much an influencer-driven marketing platform. And TikTok is part of that. We're also dabbling in it in our device repair business. So if you think about phones, it's sort of, they go hand in hand. Phones, TikTok, younger consumers, we want to draw those in. So TikTok felt like a channel that we needed to test test out in, in device repair. Nice. Okay. So it's got a very specific application within your your product mix and, and the business. Exactly. Okay. So let's talk a little bit. I want to go deeper into kind of the challenges of brick and mortar retail. But before I do that, let's talk about the different roles that you've had in your career. So of course, Batteries Plus is a retailer and you were previously with Wendy's. So that's in the QSR category and Massage Envy, which is services. So I mean, one of the reasons I'm so excited about this interview is because you've you've really touched multi-location from vastly different categories. I mean, they have all these things in common. They're brick and mortar. You're trying to drive foot traffic. But you know, with QSR, you're trying to drive daily foot traffic. With batteries, it's very kind of needs-based traffic. And with Massage Envy, it's kind of a luxury um, splurging on, on something on maybe like a monthly basis. So they must have been like some pretty different challenges, different marketing challenges. Can you speak to those roles and, and some of the differences? Yeah, it's been a wild ride just being able to experience all the all the different jobs and careers and industries that I've that I've been in. But there's a couple of things that tie those jobs together, even though they feel very different on on the outside. Number one, and this is more of a situational thing, all three brands have been in need of a little bit of change or evolution at the time. So at Wendy's, the brand was a little bit tired and needed some updating and kind of had to change it from soup to nuts, from the menu to the advertising, to the channels that we use, to the decor of the restaurant and so on. 
And Massage Envy, the challenge was a little bit different. It had grown so fast that they never had the opportunity or truly the need to define the brand. And so we were kind of going back to square one of what is this brand all about and, and what how do we want to talk to customers? And at Batteries Plus, the challenge is a little bit different. It has relatively good awareness, but the understanding of what the brand does and how broad the categories are that we play and the value that we bring is, is very misunderstood. And so those things are very kind of similar in that the brand needed some sort of evolution, but very different in what we had to do to get there. I think the other part that is is different, and again, part of this is time. You know, when I was at Wendy's, it's it was started in 2011, but the role of technology, the role of e-commerce in in those different concepts. So at Wendy's, you know, by the time I was leaving Wendy's, we were just starting to get into mobile ordering and loyalty and and things along those lines. And Massage Envy, we kind of went through a whole digital transformation going from customer records on paper and file cabinets in the in each unit to online management and online res- reservations and really trying to bring intelligence to it so that we could match the right customer to the right therapist and and then with with batteries plus it's a buy online pickup and store business for the most part just due to shipping batteries the weight of batteries restrictions around batteries and so while we want to be a very much of an omni-channel retailer the role of e-commerce is just very different you're transacting then you still have to go do something it's not like a traditional b2c kind of business so i would say it's it's those couple of pieces that are really highlight the difference it's what did we have to do to the brand to in, improve the position and then the role of of e-commerce in the different concepts so it it does sound like though that digital has been the also the consistent thread for all three but different stages of digital evolution and and transformation would you say that that is for you has become one of your strengths as a CMO of being kind of, would you say that you're digital first now as a result of these experiences? Yeah. You know, I never would have thought that. I mean, I grew up in very heavy traditional CPG world, right? With PepsiCo and, and Gatorade. And, but now I would say that. And I think I'm, I'm very happy and confident to say it, but also I'm scared to death to say it because if that's how I'm putting myself out there in the, the, the rapid pace of change in that space, I've got to stay ahead of it. And like I said earlier, I mean, hiring a team of, of experts around you is so very important when you've got, you know, the pace of change that we're seeing right now. So you've been with Batteries Plus for just over a year now. So you've what was your mandate when you arrived? I think you spoke to this a little bit. How was that tracking to date? Like what were specifically on like digital tech stack things that that might not have been in place when you arrived? Yeah, I'll take the first two and then I'll head into the digital space. So the the three mandates really were build this brand. So speaking to how it's very misunderstood. So how do we build this brand? We need to do kind of build the team and build the capability of the team to kind of match where the brand and the digital space was going. And then lastly, I started a week after a replatform of the e-commerce, the e-commerce engine. And so while everything was sort of around it from a tech stack perspective, we were going into a brand new world with a brand new technology and a brand new partner. And so all of the different aspects of anything from a plugin to anything around it, we had to adjust in order to get that system back up to where not just the legacy system was, but beyond. And I think that's kind of where we are right now. We've we've spent a lot of time working through the dip that you usually see. And now, you know, through some of the enhancements and the different add-ons that we've put into, into play, we're much in a much better place. 
So where does customer experience fall within the Batteries Plus organization? Is that under you or is that under operations? I would say it's, I mean, technically it's under me from an experience standpoint, but you know, when you're dealing in multi-unit retail, if your operating partners aren't bought into what you're doing, whether it's how you communicate in stores or what technology you're bringing in stores, it's going to fall apart. So we've got a great, we've got a great operating partner. We have a great set of of field operators that get out to our corporate owned stores, but also our franchise owned stores and try to make it as consistent of an experience as you can. Yeah. And so speaking of that, what, what does the, the batteries plus footprint look like in terms of number of locations and corporate versus franchise? So we're about 720 locations. We're opening about 45 stores this year. We do own about 115 or so stores corporately. And and the idea is we don't really want to be an operator, but we want to be able to show that experience, show the franchisees that the platform works and kind of see where some of the things fall apart. And so it's really an experiential aspect of it. And at the beginning of this leadership's group, the the corporate owned stores, their profit margins were terrible. And, and so the franchisees would kind of look at us and say, oh, you can't operate stores. You don't know how. Well, we brought in a new team and now we operate really good stores and, and have a little bit of credibility when we go out and pitch programs to the franchise community. Yeah, it, it reminds me of my interview with the founder of Edible Arrangements, and he's a, he's a legend in franchising. He is. Right? And just about that unique dynamic that you get with two entrepreneurs, one entrepreneur at corporate and the entrepreneur at the franchisee level working together to drive the business forward is just somewhat superior to the pure corporate model where you don't have somebody as bought in at the local level to the success of the business. It seems like you've pretty much experienced that with your franchise versus corporate locations. Absolutely. I mean, I I think that that is a real concept. And for a franchisor to be successful, you have to lean into it. For us, we were 35 years old. We have franchise groups that have been around since the very big, very beginning. And we've got new franchise groups that are coming in as they're seeing the potential in the model. And so we know we've got to operate as a franchisor. We know we need to operate good stores so that we're able to, to show the franchise community that the model works. But we also have avenues to learn from our franchisees. You know, many of the, of the franchise groups, like I said, the ones that have been around, they've got stories to tell that edu- have educated me. And some of the new groups are coming in from other concepts and they have some best practices that we need to listen to as well and build into our platform. So assuming then part of your job is franchisee relations then, right, as CMO, because they're looking to you for like, how are you actually like driving our business, right? So, but you've clearly had experience doing that with with previous roles. Is it different with a retailer than a massage or QSR brand? I think in this case, it it, it is different. I mean, with the massage brand, you kind of spoke to it. It was a membership model. So you had a little bit of recurring revenue built into your into your business that marketing, it needed to come along and needed to drive traffic. But the lights were, every time the lights came on, you already had some cash in your pocket every day. And QSR, you're fighting for every occasion, every day, breakfast, lunch, dinner, snack. And so marketing has to be front and center and it, and it has to be very much almost a recency media plan. You know, how do you get in front of people all day, all the time, as big and as bold as you can? And with this particular business, it's it's a little bit different because it is it is a needs-based business. And so we, from a marketing perspective, we need to be there when somebody's showing intent. So we need to be all the way down the funnel at a Google search and in a shopping occasion. 
But at the same time, we need to, we want people to look at us as credible and that we know what we're doing and the role that we can play in their search or in their shopping occasion. So we need to play both sides of the funnel. And I think when you're dealing with, with franchisees and you're trying to explain the, the complexities of the marketing platform, sometimes it's just real simple with them. Bring people into the front door. That's what I want to do. And that's what I want to do too. But sometimes it's, it, it takes a little bit of work and creativity to get there. Are the franchisees expected to invest in marketing? Is that, I mean, is that an explicit part of their agreements to spend X percent on local marketing? That's the first question. Yeah. For us, there's there's really two two buckets of spend. There's a national bucket of spend that runs through my team. And then there's a, a local bucket of spend that is required as a percent of sales. Also runs through my team, a little bit different tactics as you're trying to really drive the message down to a local level. But we try to use both of those in sync with each other. Are the franchisees actually doing that? Is that something that you're able to track? And then what are they doing with that with that local spend? What's what's working for them? They are doing it. Their spends, their media plans run through my team as well. So we have a local team that sits down with the franchisees or sits down with the co-ops if they're if they're big enough and organized enough and develops a media plan for them at the local level. I think it's an opportunity for us to do a little bit better in that area. And it's, you know, we're testing a number of different technologies and a number of different partners right now to try to make that part of the marketing mix work a little bit harder for us. Is that something that you are actively pushing down from your previous experience or is it something that you're responding to the franchisees are saying we want this or maybe a little bit of both? It's a little bit of both. I mean, I, as I mentioned before, franchisees, they want people in the front door, right? So if they're seeing a little bit of softness in any part of the business, you know, it's a very easy conversation. What are you, what are you going to do to get people in my front door? So I think we've got an obligation as a marketing team that is spending franchisee dollars to continue to look at the marketing mix, whether it's national and local, and make sure it's doing its job. I think that's endemic to kind of all, all franchise businesses. But yeah, we're bringing some ideas and some things that we've done in, in other other concepts or people that we've worked with and have gone on to do different things that are you know bringing ideas to us. And I think that's part of the beauty when you kind of get along in your career a little bit. You've made a, a nice network of folks that have tried different things or started different businesses, and and you want to work with them to to make your marketing as good as it can. Yeah, I mean, I've heard I've heard a lot of stories about franchisees just wanting nothing to do with the marketing. Let's they just want to be operators, and national and corporate should be doing it all for them. It sounds like not so much the case here. Like they like if you were to give them a, a Facebook page or some kind of marketing program to actually lean into, the vast majority would be open to that. I think it's a mix. I think you're right that it's it's a little bit of a mix. We have some franchise groups, particularly some of the larger ones, that they have marketing capability within their organization. Maybe it's from another concept that they're running or, or whatever, and, and you have different types of conversations with those folks. And then you have smaller operators. They got in this for a very different reason. They got into it to operate the business, to work the Batteries Plus concept, and marketing's not their thing, and they know it. And in, all along that spectrum, you probably have franchisees you know, all throughout the different stages of it. So yeah, you. I mean, whatever solutions you implement have to be able to accommodate the spectrum, essentially, the ones that want to do it and the ones that don't, right? Yeah, exactly. And and the conversations, frankly, that you're having, it is a challenge, I think, for any marketing department working in franchising is those conversations, there's not a one-size-fit-all 
type of approach. And so that's a challenge for our team now, and it's been a challenge in the past. So you, you kind of work through those things as you learn the franchise community within the, each particular concept. So this, I mean, supporting the franchisees sounds like it's a pretty big initiative for 2023. Are there other big initiatives that you've got on your plate that you're executing for this year, marketing-wise? Yeah, our, our business is evolving over the last couple of years. We are a retailer. We are an omnichannel retailer. We have 700 locations. But one part of our business that is really growing is the commercial side or the business-to-business side of Batteries Plus. And from a marketing standpoint, we haven't necessarily supported that effort or that growth over the last couple of years. I mean, we've done some foundational things, but this year we've put some people in place that know B2B marketing and are developing B2B marketing plans to help support our commercial growth. And so that's that's really something new. It's, it's a muscle that we've got to build. And while some of the tactics and tricks are the same, uh, some of them are a little bit different as well. So we've got to look to find those buyers or those people of influence with Within the, within the B2B community. And that's a little bit different than consumers. Yeah, it certainly is. But at the end of the day, they're all people, right? That you're marketing to. Yeah. They write bigger checks, I guess. <laughs> yeah. The message media creative aspect of it is sort of the same. Once you find that customer, you sort of know a little bit about them and how they tick and what motivates them. Then you can put the creative and the media and the concepts together to you know hopefully connect with them and influence their purchasing behavior. Let's talk about the the topic, the big topic right now across everything. It seems like everywhere you look right now, everybody's talking about AI and how AI is going to disrupt society and and lead to the apocalypse. And you know, so there is a spectrum there as well. Of course, ChatGPT is the poster child right now for AI disruption. So, what does the AI conversation sound like internally at at Batteries Plus right now? Yeah, well, I would say it started. We're definitely having the conversation. I think there are some applications that for our business, AI lends itself pretty well to. So think about customer service as an example. You know, we have customer service that is customer facing, but also store facing. And so how, how can we use AI or even a chat GPT type of technology to get faster, to get better? Because a lot of the things that we're dealing with are, does this battery, as an example, fit this application? And this application is super specific to make model year or whatever. And so are there ways that we can use technology to, to make us more efficient on customer service and chat and, and things along those lines. Then there's another whole aspect, you know, with your when you're in marketing and, and you're building out your marketing stack, all those partners are looking at the same thing too. So how can AI influence their business? And so I think there are things that are embedded in the partners that we select and the platforms that we're building into our tech stack that AI will have an influence on because like I said, they're looking at this technology the same way that we are. How can it make my business better? Yeah, I mean it's I mean AI seems to essentially solve data problems at the end of the day, right? And and the AI is only as good as the data that is informing it. So how are your data silos looking today? And is there a, a vision to kind of bring everything together? Yeah, that's a great question. So I hired a CDO, a chief digital officer back in October. And the the main reason, well, one of the main reasons, I mean, he's fantastic, but one of the main reasons that that he and I clicked was his vision for data. We have 700 locations. We have 50 or so tickets a day that go through these locations. We have tens of thousands of unique sessions on our website. There's data to be had and we have it. 
but we haven't aggregated it. We haven't put it into a format that we can mine it. And therefore, we haven't used it to help influence how we think about marketing or how we assess what we're doing from a marketing standpoint. So we are on that journey. We have started that journey. And it's very exciting, something I, I really love. But we are, we're getting the data organized now. We're starting to, to use it kind of on a, on a pretty small level to really prove out some test cases so that we can get going on this and get the proper investment and, and move forward. Yeah, I'm sure you get inundated with, with vendor inquiries, obviously trying to sell you all sorts of different marketing solutions. Have you noticed kind of an uptick recently in the AI message of like marketing solutions? Yeah, you know, it's really funny. If all of the things that I get in my inbox were actually true, maybe I wouldn't even have to exist anymore <laughs> as a marketer. But no, I, I think there's a lot of innovation. There's a lot of people trying to figure out how to influence marketing and marketing communications with something like AI. And it's coming. I mean, don't get me wrong. We've got to figure out how to, how to use it and how to make our marketing programs better. And whether that's platforms or it's vendors or it's our own native exploration of AI or tools that we build, we've got to use it and use it and figure out how to do it quickly. Yeah. I mean, I think the the whole fear of being replaced by AI is pretty overblown. I think it's the more accurate way to put it is that CMOs who use AI are going to replace CMOs who don't. I think that's a great way of putting it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it sounds like you're on the right path there to to stay on the former, I guess. Nice. So yeah, I want to take the conversation toward some career advice and some mentoring because, you know, you've come up through a number of amazing brands. I'm sure you've had some phenomenal mentors along the way. So how is mentoring set up currently within Batteries Plus for younger folks in your organization? We have just kicked this off over the last, I would say, 12 to 18 months. And it's something that I feel is super important. To your point, I, I've been fortunate you know, when I started my career to work in rather large organizations that had very formal mentoring programs. And that helped me out a lot. I think as you go through your organi- your career, I've also been fortunate to work alongside or be managed by a lot of incredible marketers. And so the network that I have, I'm, I'm very proud to have and, and have certainly leveraged over the years as my career has evolved. So I believe in mentoring tremendously. And I think we're going to keep growing that that part of, of what we do as, as Batteries Plus in, in career development. But I think it's also, it's kind of up to the individual as well. And the company needs to provide that support or that framework. But one piece of advice that, that I would give is like, you have to always be learning in this space. It is not a static space. And so whether that's mentoring, whether that's finding stuff online. I mean, basically anything that you want to learn is on YouTube at some level, right? So you just need to be curious. And and I think, you know, like I said, mentoring plays one part of it. But I think as an individual, as somebody that's growing their career, you need to move on and take full accountability for it. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely one of the most rewarding parts of my career when I look back. And also when I see people that I've mentored become successful, you don't kind of think of it at the time so much. You you just kind of, they need help and you're helping them out and they're young and they're going to make mistakes and you're helping them figure it all out. But then like fast forward 10 years later and you see like the career that they've built. I mean, it's it's just an amazing feeling that you don't really kind of appreciate. You certainly don't appreciate at the time the impact that you're going to have, but you are having that impact. So I think it's, yeah, that's on both sides. I think like mentors probably need, I, I just wasn't conscious of it at the time. I think maybe be more conscious of it than people that need mentorship should probably be 
a little bit more forthright and saying like, being very explicit, like, I really want to be mentored by you. Like, say that, right? Just <laughs> yes, absolutely. You got to you got to own your career a little bit. You got to own your development. Nice. Okay. So, and then just in general, what kind of advice in your mentoring of people that are just starting out that that aspire to one day be CMO? I mean, that advice is different than the advice you got probably when you were in your young in your career because the world has changed so much. So, what does that message look like today? Yeah, I think it's really threefold. One probably hasn't changed and and two maybe have changed as I've gone through my career. But as a marketer, your role is be the advocate of the, the consumer, to know more about the consumer, to understand the consumer's voice and, and what they want. And that's what the department or that's what the CMO really needs to represent amongst the executive team. And so, you know, my advice as marketers are coming up is be consumer led, really try to put yourself in in the shoes of the consumer. And that advice, I think, hasn't changed how you do that is a little bit different now nowadays, right? So I think that is, is certainly the first one. The second one is something that I was told when I was a little bit younger in my career, and it was it was find your leadership style and make it uniquely your own. And so I think if you look at my leadership style, it's got elements of a lot of different people. I can probably point them out if I you know got got studied pretty hard about it. But you know, as you're observing leaders, what you like, what you don't like. You know what it feels like to be managed properly. You know what it feels like to be managed in a way that is not growing you or helping you. And so you've got to kind of put all of those things to work, plus a little reading or investment on your own on the side to, to really try to define what your leadership style is. And I, I encourage people to kind of put it on paper and then it'll change over time too. Um, so that would be the second one. And then the third one we've talked a lot about, if you're not digitally led, or if you're not the AI using CMO, you're going to fall behind. So study up and, and embrace it and figure out how you can leverage digital and digital tech to be as good of a marketer as you can. Are there currently any open roles on your team that you might want to highlight? Absolutely. We are hiring folks. Go to batteriesplus.com slash careers, or there's a few of them on LinkedIn. We went through a bit of a, as new leaders do, a bit of a, a restructure towards the end of last year and set up our team a little bit differently. And that afforded us to create a few new roles that didn't exist. And it afforded us the ability to also expand on our team with current roles, but just more of them. So yes, we are hiring. We're hiring in the creative space. We're hiring in the digital space. If you're interested, please, please take, check it out. So when you're, when you're a junior marketer in your organization, do you get an opportunity or a or an explicit directive to go work in a store? We very much encourage getting out into the stores. It may sound strange, but whether you're a designer or an e-commerce front-end designer or a data analyst, it may not seem like it would directly impact your business, but it does open your eyes. Our head of, of stores or, or retail, he's a career retail guy, an amazing operator, and he just very much encourages people to get out there. And people that have gotten out with them, I think, have have had an aha. And I think pretty much anybody who gets out in the store and really commits to it, they're going to come back with something that's going to help them in their job. Yeah. I mean, especially on the marketing side, to your point about you know really understanding the customer, what better way to do that than actually being in the store and interacting with customers? But also, it sounds like you are a hybrid organization. So some of these roles could be remote. 
Yes, absolutely. We have a great group of folks that live in the Milwaukee area and populate our, our office in Heartland. But even for those folks, we're a hybrid, a hybrid work environment. But yeah, we're looking for great talent. We're looking for great talent that can not only help us from a marketing side, but help us grow our culture within our department. And whether they are you know, local or not, I don't have a bias. I just want a really good teammate who's going to make us better and, and contribute to our culture. All right, we're going to just do a couple topics from the lightning round, just a kind of one word or one sentence response to these. So the first one's going to be agencies. I've been saying for a really long time, agencies still need to evolve. <laughs> and I think they are. They've gone from massive to small back to medium size again. But we talked a lot about the, the role of the, the CMO and how our role is changing. It is. And I think our agency partners, the good ones, are, are changing along with CMOs or, or how marketing is, is evolving. And how about branded content? Under leveraged. And then final one is influencer marketing. Please be authentic. All right. <laughs> I've done quite a bit of it. And we use it now on our X2 battery line. And when it's good, it's good. When it's not, it feels like so forced and probably doesn't help the brand out very, very much. Yeah. You don't want to get that cringe response to it, right? Yes. <laughs> That's the worst. Okay. So final question, other leaders in multi-unit enterprise that you admire and would want to see on this show? Yeah. I'm going to give you a, a new leader actually. And it, it kind of is indicative of how my career has progressed. And I've always tried to each step of the way, try to add a new experience or a new skill set. And you know, one of the things I got early in my career was being a, a good marketer, it's also very, very powerful if you're good in your financial acumen. And so I tried to always be a good operational financial partner. And I got to Wendy's and I had a financial partner. Her name is Lindsay Redkowski. And she, the best way I could describe it is, was very skeptical of the power of marketing. She saw it from a cost and a spend perspective. And lo and behold, she got into the marketing department and just recently got named a CMO for the US business at, at Wendy's. So I think her transformation of a marketing skeptic to a marketing leader would be quite interesting for you. Absolutely. I did, I did actually see that on LinkedIn because, because of our, some of our mutual connections. And I did look on her on her LinkedIn and I saw a financial background and I was like, wow, that's that is kind of from one end of the spectrum to the other. Yeah. Wow. Yes, absolutely. I, I will definitely be reaching out and try to get her on the show. Sounds good. Well, Derek Dettenberg, thanks so much for joining us on Clicks to Bricks. Rob, it's been a great time. I appreciate the opportunity. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share it on LinkedIn and to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, you can sign up for our newsletter at clickstobricks.fm for exclusive content and previews of upcoming shows. I'm your host, Rob Reed, and this is Clicks to Bricks, a podcast about multi-location marketing. Mm-hmm.